Hey, this is Joseph Thompson. Thanks for listening to the Open Spaces podcast. Why don't you sit back, relax, and join me as we take a journey together into wide open spaces. In a recent conversation with one of my daughters, uh, I just returned from a hot, sticky bike ride. Uh, if you know anything about Florida humidity, you'll know that riding in the summer is death. I, I routinely use three, lose three to five pounds every ride. Anyway, I digress. Uh, in, in that conversation, I casually mentioned the fact that I was really thirsty. Uh, upon which my daughter duly informed me that that word doesn't mean what I think it does. Uh, really? Uh, who knew that the English language was shifting right from under my feet and no one had the courtesy to check with me first? But in further research, I, I, I learned that according to the Urban Dictionary, thirsty is defined as too eager to get something, desperate. And then it goes on to uh, quantify that. This desperation could be in reference to anything. Compliments, validation, attention. But it is most frequently used to specifically mean desperate for sex. Oops. Who knew when I said I was thirsty? Apparently, now I have to be more specific when I want a drink of water. So... For the purpose of clarity, let me emphasize that the title of my podcast uh, this week, Thirsty, isn't the urban version of Thirsty, though in a very real sense it does represent desperation, just not desperation for the things that are listed. So having said that, it's also critically important that I make that distinction, especially because I'm about to declare that our nation is thirsty. In fact, many nations around the world are thirsty. How do I know that, you ask? That's simple. First, because in my recent trip to Europe, as well as here in the United States, I've closely observed people's rather benign response to protecting themselves and others from the ravages of COVID-19. The way we carry ourselves in public, uh, the way we have politicized the wearing of masks, but also because the global response to the continued and alarming death toll from uh, the COVID-19. And and I want you to note that it's now almost the end of 2021, but it's still COVID-19. In other words, it's been around for uh, two years. So the, the alarming death toll from this pandemic would indicate that we've become desensitized to the calamity that's befallen our world. For the most part, um, having heard reports of millions of deaths among the young, the old, the able, the not-so-able, people are desperate, or if you like, thirsty, to see the world go back to the way it was pre-global pandemic. Uh, Let me attempt to illustrate this desperation with another story. In the book of John, in chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, read this way. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit 
who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Now, because context is everything, let me explain this a little more clearly. You see, this celebration, this feast or festival that was climaxing on the last day was what is, has come to be known as the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, for clarity, the Feast of Tabernacles is a feast celebrated by Jews, which is the celebration of God dwelling with them and providing for them in the entire time they were in the wilderness. Now, in case you don't know, that's most definitely a feat worth celebrating because according to the scriptures, the Jews, the nation of Israel, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and their clothes didn't wear out and they had divine provision for food and water. So it's easy to see why subsequent generations continued to celebrate that miraculous season. And so it was a seven-day celebration, and it was now day seven of that seven-day celebration, which was the climax. And Jesus basically waited until the last day of the feast. He waited until the climax to make his profound declaration. But notice this. He didn't just speak. According to the text we just read, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds at the top of his voice. Now, some might want to argue that, well, he shouted because they were a large crowd and uh, he needed them to hear him. No, that's not exactly it, because much of the way things were set out, even when he gave what has come to be known as the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, um, I've literally physically been to that spot and in Israel, and it's amazing because the bowl, he stood on a hillside and spoke down into a bowl. It's amazing how when you stand at the top of that hill and speak in a normal voice, people sitting all the way down in the valley can hear you. Um, it has something to do with acoustics for certain. So my point is simply this. He didn't shout for acoustic reasons. This was, him shouting was actually very unlike the typical rabbinic teaching posture. Because the typical rabbinic teaching posture, the rabbi sat and spoke softly enough that people had to literally lean in to hear him but not this time now the holy scriptures are replete with examples of desperate or if you like thirsty people shouting because their lives and their livelihoods depended on their voices being heard blind bartimaeus the beggar who had been born blind the Bible tells us in the book of Mark chapter 10 and verses 46 through 47 that when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he began to shout at the top of his voice, so loud, in fact, that the people around him tried to silence him. But the Bible says he shouted all the more, even louder. In Matthew chapter 14, uh, verses 29 and 30, we're told that as Peter is walking towards Jesus, who has beckoned him to come to him on the water, out of the boat, in the midst of a raging storm, and all the other disciples are sitting in that boat, cowering in fear that they're going to capsize. The Bible says Peter is walking on water, but then he takes his eyes off Jesus and focuses on the storm, 
And as soon as he sees the storm raging around him, that becomes his reality. And the Bible says, as he began to sink, he began to shout in desperation for rescue. In Mark chapter 5, verses 2 through 7, we're told the story of who we have come to know as the demoniac of Gadara or the demoniac of the Gadarenes. He hid in the mountains. He was possessed by multiple demons and they caused him to inflict harm consistently upon himself. So he lived like a wild man all by himself. And as soon as Jesus' boat docked on the island where Jesus went, where this man was kept in isolation, but Jesus went to isolate himself to pray. The Bible says as soon as the demoniac saw Jesus, he began to scream at the top of his lungs. What's my point here? My point is that John uses the same Greek verb in John chapter 7 and verse 37, where he says Jesus began to, he stood and shouted to the crowds. He uses the same verb that, he, that, that is used in all of these examples we just referenced, from blind Bartimaeus to Peter sinking to the demoniac of Gadara. It is the same verb used for the word shout. So we understand that there is the context of a desperation, a need to be heard. John uses that same verb to convey the volume of Jesus' voice. So this wasn't just some casual shout to get the attention of the crowd. This was a shout of desperation. So you might then ask the question, why then did Jesus shout at the top of his lungs? Well, it's pretty safe to speculate that he was patently aware of the fact that in a few short months, he would be paraded through these very same streets, dragging a heavy cross to his own crucifixion. And it's probably just as safe to speculate that as he surveyed the crowds, he knew that they were thirsty. He knew that they needed water, not for their parched throats, but for their hearts. Okay, let me explain further so this doesn't get confusing. We're all acquainted with physical thirst. In fact, our bodies, according to some estimates, are 80% fluid. That means that a man my size, uh, 230 pounds, and don't judge me, is lugging around about 180 pounds. Or if you want to nitpick and be precise, 184 pounds of water. And Max Lucado, in his book, Thirsty, or Come Thirsty, he says the following, and I quote, Apart from brains, bones, and a few organs, we're walking water balloons. We need to be. Stop drinking and see what happens. Coherent thoughts vanish, skin grows clammy, and vital organs wrinkle. Your eyes need fluid to cry. Your mouth needs moisture to swallow. Your glands need sweat to keep your body cool. Your cells need blood to carry them. Your joints need fluid to lubricate them. Your body needs water the same way a tire needs air, end quote. So the truth is, God wired us with thirst. Our thirst is actually a low fluid indicator, just like you would have on your car. 
As soon as our fluid levels deplete, the warning signals light up. Dry mouth, thick tongue, achy head, weak knees. If you deprive your body of the necessary fluid it needs, your body will let you know. In the same way, if you deprive your soul of spiritual water, your soul will tell you. Thirsty, dehydrated hearts send desperate messages. Tempestuous tempers, waves of worry, growling behemoths of guilt and fear, hopelessness, sleeplessness, loneliness, resentment, irritability, insecurity. God doesn't want us to live with these because they are all symptoms of a dryness, of a thirst deep within. That's why Jesus was shouting. He innately recognized that the crowd was thirsty and he needed to focus their attention on what mattered most. He's still saying to you and I, don't dismiss the loneliness. Don't deny your anger. Don't pretend that the fears or the addictions aren't real. For the sake of those who need your love, you need to hydrate your thirsty soul. But it's also important that I say, don't drink from just any source. You should be aware of the religion-labeled bottle. Why? Because think about it. Jesus was speaking to a gathering of religious people at one of the largest conferences in the nation. Yet he knew that, like our world today, they were dying of thirst. So let me take a moment and speak specifically to those of us who would undyingly profess Jesus to be Lord over our lives. If you fall into that company, I need you to hear this. Because like a dying man in the desert, one drop of water to our parched tongues, and I need you to read thirsty souls there, reignites a passion in us and creates a desperate longing for more. One drop of water on a parched tongue reminds you how much more you need. And it is that passion that will make our world believe that the answer to the global thirst pandemic is an encounter with Jesus. But we, you and I who profess Jesus, must be willing to shout loud enough to get our world's attention. But not just with our words, but with the way we live our lives through our convictions. So let me close out today with this really fascinating story that I read recently. And it's a quote from um, G. Campbell Morgan um, on a message titled Preaching. Begin quote, There is a tale told of that great English actor, Macready. An eminent preacher once said to him, I wish you would explain to me something. Well, what is it? I don't know that I can explain anything to a preacher. What is the reason for the difference between you and me? You are appearing before crowds night after night with fiction. And the crowds come wherever you go. I am preaching the essential and unchangeable truth. And I'm not getting any crowd at all. McCready's answer was this. This is quite simple. I can tell you the difference between us. I present my fiction as though it were truth. You present your truth as though it were fiction. End quote. Think about that. We live in a thirsty world. And people are parched and desperate for answers 
to all of the issues that confront our world today. And those answers are only found in a personal relationship with Jesus. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for joining us on the Open Spaces podcast. If you enjoyed it, then please like it and share it with your friends. We'd really love to connect with you. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Open Spaces podcast. Thank you.